I believe God wants us to prosper, but probably not what you're thinking. They, they pull verses out of context and say, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Right. Because if you're one of his children, wouldn't he want you to be Absolutely. healthy, yeah. wealthy, and right. wise? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I can hear a preacher preaching, you know. Like, I shall not I want. I shall so. not want, so we shouldn't want for anything. That's we should right. have uh-huh. all that we would want. If you are wealthy, then you are blessed of God. That's not true. They are living off the the backs of a lot of poor people in America. They're living very well. I mean, there's like you could preach a sermon right there. I'm Chuck Tate, and here at Fellowship of Believers, we encourage families, strengthen marriages, and edify the body of Christ. I'm Larry Grimm. We also promote biblical doctrine in a fun and engaging way. And I'm Sarah. And if it's Christian, we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Show. All right, guys. Yeah, guess what? We are back all together. It's been a while since we've all been on here. Chuck is back. I'm back. Yes. Jeremiah, I might need to... I mean, Jeremiah. Joshua? That's the other son. (laughs) Joshua, I might need to call... Joshua's your son? No, that's your son. (laughs) (laughs) I might need the cough button. Oh, the cough button. Yeah, (laughs) get it myself, but no, we'll we'll make it through. So, yeah. Yeah, our voices, I was just impersonating someone, and it it messed up my voice there. So, anyway. All right, so this week, we've got uh, an interesting topic here. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the, the title, it's not clickbait or anything, but God wants us to prosper, but does he? You know, it, it's, it's I at the heart of it, I believe God wants us to prosper, but probably not what you're thinking. Yeah. So we're going to take a look. Got to define your terms. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to take a look at what people call it, the prosperity gospel. Yep. You might actually hear it as, what have you guys heard it as? A name and claim it. Name yeah. and claim it. Yeah. Uh, that was it. Yeah. It's right here. Flap it and grab it. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> the word of faith movement. Yeah. Word of faith. Yeah. Health and wealth. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. 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 Health and wealth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we, you've heard it in many uh, different terms. Yeah. And and the, and the big part of it is whether you know it or not, it has probably seeped in to churches. Oh yeah, and mo- even some conservative churches yeah. that uh, some independent, men- oh maybe not those <laughs> independent fundamental Baptist churches uh, probably hasn't seeped in there. Probably not. But it has seeped into a lot of churches yeah. very subtly, and it's very very dangerous. And we're going to discuss those things and 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 what's the difference between does god want us to prosper financially yeah. and healthily is that is that a word healthily <laughs> i don't think hopefully. so hopefully oh okay hopefully but is it is it something that is something that we can claim and yeah. and, and and take for ourselves right. so that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. So you got a little bit of a definition there. You want to define it a little more? What is the prosperity gospel? A little bit. So, okay, so this, where does this come from, babe? Where do we pull this from? I forget. We don't have a note here. Um, yeah, I, from, I, I forget where I found this. But okay. um, this is a quote. It says, prosperity gospel originated as an offshoot of Pentecostalism in post-World War II America. While it started in local congregations and intent revivals, the movement gained a larger following through the use of radio and television and became firmly entrenched in the 1980s with the rise of televangelism. So uh, to give a little bit more history on this, we were just talking about yeah. this before. There was a guy named Norman Vincent Peale. Right. And before him was a guy, Phineas Quimbley. Phineas Quimbley, who came up what with a, a name. I yes. know. <laughs> they just don't make them like that. No. <laughs> he was a watchmaker in Portland, Maine. 
Huh, and huh. he came up with this philosophy called New Thought. Right. And this was in the late, uh, mid to late 1800s, if I remember so correctly. So it's now old thought. Right, yeah. It's not new. so new. New, yeah. But which led to positive thinking. thinking yeah. So thinking positive, yeah. uh, kind of like Napoleon Hill and yeah. Norman Vincent Peale. You could heal, actually, the, the New Thought philosophy was you could actually, when it started, you could heal your body through positive thinking of your mind, changing sure. your mind. And, and that's kind of really where this yeah. all started. It was an offshoot of the Pentecostal church, and they're already into healing, right? you know, divine yeah. healing, which uh, that's fine. But then it became a thing of, you can claim this. And we'll right. get into some of the verses. Yeah. They, they pull verses out of context and say, hey, if you think positively, then you can be healed. And which then leads to, hey, if you can be healed and all these promises like wealth, you can be healthy and wealthy. And in fact, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Right. It's well, a curse. I, yeah, because if you're one of his children, wouldn't he want you to be Absolutely. healthy, yeah. wealthy, and wise? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's if you early to bed, early to rise. Right. <laughs> So that's so that's not really a definition of prosperity, but that's kind of like the history of it. But the um, so prosperity. How would we define prosperity? So the when I, I was looking for the definition. Um, well, I do have a definition. Way down here at the bottom. At the bottom, and prosper obviously means to um, to favor, to render successful. Um, to be successful, to succeed, to grow or increase, to thrive, to make gain, like prosper in business. Yeah, mean, and, and, and this success. is where, so I believe, that this is just me, I can't speak for Larry and Chuck here, but personally, I believe in prosperity and yeah. prospering. And, 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 but it, that doesn't always include money. Right. It doesn't include possessions. And it doesn't include healing always. Um, but... My example, we were talking about this before the show, is Joseph and how Joseph flourished in everything that he did. I mean, from a young man all the way up until the end, everything that he did flourished. Yeah. And yet, he was in prison, he was a slave, and he was rejected, and yeah. <laughs> you know, and then he rose to power later on. But uh, he was a beloved son of his, his father, Jacob. And the sons were jealous, uh, the brothers were jealous of him, yeah. wanted to kill him, put him in a pit, mm -hmm. and t contemplated killing him. Um, uh, and then they sold him to Ishmaelites to slavery. I, I forget how many years he was in slavery. It was a lot. I don't, yeah, it was a, it was a while. But well, then he, it he, was, he was 13 or 17 when he was sold into slavery, and then he was 30 when he rose to power, so... Okay, so we got some years right yeah. there, yeah. and one of the, he eventually came to Potter's Potiphar's house, and everything in Potiphar's house flourished while he was while he was there. But then he got accused of rape and and um, impropriety, and he was innocent, of course. Mm -hmm. But just the accusation of a slave and all that, so he ended up in prison. Right, and even the prison, he reformed the. Prison. Right. He ended up running the prison yeah. as a prisoner. <laughs> right. And he was, everything was flourishing. And so everything that he touched flourished. I like to believe that we could do that also, that we can flourish in whatever we're doing, especially if we're doing whatever God has called us to do. Now, it may not be grand in the best, you know, whatever, but can we flourish in what we're doing? Can we do it to very, very good ability? You know, like, can we do a good job of what we're doing? 
I believe so. Yeah. I, I'd like to think so, that uh, it's not us, right. it's Christ working in us. Right, if we're actually, if what we're doing is in, in God's will, according to what he teaches us in the Bible, then we believe he would actually prosper us. Yes, and, yeah. and especially spiritually speaking, uh, and it's a benefit to the others around us that if he does bless me for some reason, for some some particular purpose, it is to bless you, right. to bless Larry, to bless you know those around us, to bless the church, to bless you know whatever. It's the reason to be blessed is to give, and that includes money. You know, yeah. like if if I'm not against. Wealthy people. There was a time I... Yes. <laughs> now. Now. And, uh, you know, wealthy people, there's no shame in being wealthy. If you created something or you work hard right. and um, and you're not working overtime and neglecting your family and all that, and you make money, then, then that's great. You know, good for you. But what are you using your finances yeah. on? Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into that because a lot of the prosperity teachings and all that twist it to where we're not using these things for the kingdom of God. We're using it on our own lusts. Right. right. Yep. And, and so that is a real big problem. And so these subtle twists of the scripture is very damning. And we have to be yep. very, very, very careful. So that's why we want to discuss some of this and kind of... Uh, a, a verse to your what you were just talking about is in Colossians chapter 3. It says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and right. not unto men. Right. So... It's, and, and sometimes that might bring you money. Yeah, right. But, but most of the time, it's not. Yeah, it's going to bring you other things, and, and you're going to accomplish other things as, right. as long as you do it unto the Lord. But uh, when you're I, talking about the prosperity gospel, they're not talking about what you're saying. No, they're, they're specifically talking about money, possessions, right. lands, and all that. Uh, when I was in Bible college, I was very much against the prosperity gospel. Uh, I almost was a St. Francis Assisi guy. I was taking a vow of poverty <laughs> because I was dirt poor. But the uh, I had a friend of mine who was into the Word of Faith movement, and we clashed all the time. Um, but I almost did a paper. I wanted to do a paper and write a book on it. Maybe someone else could do it. But by nature of being a Christian, my, my whole premise was by nature, you're going to prosper financially. And here's my reason why, especially in America, specifically in America. But we have jobs that pay us pretty decent money. Mm-hmm. And um, as a Christian, I no longer care for the things of this world. Okay, this is all supposedly, right? (laughs) Theoretically. So I don't care about the things of the world, so I don't care about the fashions of this world, so I'm not... I'm not spending all my money on clothes and fancy clothes and expensive clothes. I don't care about cars, so the expensive cars and fancy cars and souping up my car and and all that. Fancy homes, I don't need a big fancy house. You know, uh, I don't do drugs. I don't... Uh, so that that costs money. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, drinking alcohol, I don't do that. So by nature, if you are caught up in that world, think about all the money you just saved right there by right. becoming a Christian. Yeah. Now I know that doesn't always always happen right away. Some it's ca- called maturity, um, but at the heart of it, if our heart is changed and and is seeking the the kingdom of God, and, you know, and, and His righteousness and His things. You know, all these things will be added unto us, but not in the way that the prosperity right, teachers yeah. teach us. They're only focused on money and possessions and things like that. But just think about naturally, I'm no longer concerned about the things of this world. 
what can I live on and still give glory to God? Right. Like it, ta- it takes money to live in this world. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm not suggesting that we all take quit our jobs right. and, and <laughs> yeah. you know and all that. Take about but poverty. <laughs> what? How are we really spending our money? What is our right. focus when it comes to the gospel? And this is this is kind of what we're going to be talking about. So when we're thinking about the prosperity gospel and looking at it, where do they find the message of prosperity in the Bible? So we're going to just hit, or we're going to hit on a couple of verses. They have plenty of verses, which, by the way, they 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 talk mainly from the Old Testament because they have to. You know, because the Old oh, Testament, yeah. The, yeah. the New Testament, eh, it's a little bit different of a message. And, and some of the Old Testament, I heard a guy talk about, it's kind of interesting, that the Old Testament it was about the Israel and building them up and making them glorious so the world would come to them. But now we're the building in the New Testament and we go out to the others. And so we're built up uh, as part of the uh, the house of house of God. We're the, the temple. And so we don't need to build fancy buildings right. and things like that. For people to come to, we go out to the people, and anyway, so this is by no means a um, exhaustive bunch of verses here. Like we missed Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for Chuck, right? <laughs> I had well, it. So, but I think everybody knows Jeremiah twenty nine eleven plans to prosper you. Yeah, you got to read the NIV. This is an article I was researching this. And this was a guy, this is 1925, his name was Bruce Barton. He ended up becoming a Republican congressman. Okay. But he wrote a book. It was called The Man Nobody Knows. It was about Jesus. And he was in the prosperity gospel and new thought. And this is a quote from the book talking about Jesus. It says, he picked up 12 men from the bottom of the ranks of business and forged them into an organization that conquered the world. Mm. And I'm like... they conquered the world. Yeah, they. <laughs> so hmm. he predict, he depicted Jesus as an entrepreneurial businessman hmm. that and forced them. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I'm like that doesn't even make sense. No. But that's the whole twisting of the scriptures that we're going to see, right? Yeah. With some of these verses you picked out, and so in, in Deuteronomy five thirty three. Uh, go ahead. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Right. And so, which, by the way, uh, we're reading all these mostly in King James. There'll be a couple of different versions, but prosperity teachers, they have no problem using whatever whatever. suits their purposes. Okay. So, sometimes you'll see them using King James. Sometimes you'll see them using the Amplified. Right. Sometimes they'll use the NI. They will will pick and choose as long as it says exactly how they want to use it. Um, So, right here it says that it may be well with you and that may prolong your days. What they are forgetting here is that you walk in the ways which the Lord God hath commanded you. And now this is where they, the problem with the, the prosperity teachers is, or the word of faith, is at the end of the day, they will blame you yeah. for your lack of money and lack of possessions and lack of healing if you don't have any. Right. So yeah. their message is correct. <laughs> your lack of faith mm-hmm. is the problem or some kind of sin in your life or something like that. And, and that is... Is huge spiritual abuse right there. Oh, yeah. And, well, and, and, even like this one, the whole context of this is Moses directing the nation of Israel as they develop into a nation. Right. These are, he's, he, what he's saying, walk in the ways of the Lord. And as a nation, if you do these things, 
then God will prosper them as a nation. Sure, and sure. That, which wasn't... looks like many different. It's not just money, <laughs> right? And that's yeah. what a lot of these these new movements uh, they pick on particular terms and they um, their terms that they just assume means this X right, Y and yeah. Z. So prosper means money, you know. Chuck needs a drink. Huh? <laughs> I gotta get some water. <laughs> he needs to get water. Okay, while he's getting water, we're going to move on to the next verse. The uh, first Kings 2 through 3. Or 2 3. 2 3. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. So once again, we see that they are. Pulling from the Old Testament right. promises for Israel. Yeah, and, and they missed the first part of this. Once again, yeah. is to keep my commandments and my statutes and, and all that. Now, they'll still give lip service to that right. stuff because they're, they're righteous and they're holy and all that, but uh, they claim to be, and that they may prosper. Once again, prosper means what? That you'll everything will flourish. Right. It's like Jacob flourished under Laban. But was it money? Now they would say, "Oh, but sheep is a kind of like money, you know." And he had he, his deal flourished, and it, and it was well with with Jacob. Now you can make an argument that it's money, but what was the purpose of that? It wasn't so he could live large and, and fat. You right. know, he was a fat of the land. You know, he was. So they have to change the word prosper to mean money. Now, money can be a part of prosperity, yeah. but it's not. The same Completely. thing. Completely. Right. No. Okay. So then we have Proverbs 28, 25, and we're going to read it in kind of the King James and then the NIV. Okay. It says, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. And then yeah, the, made fat. And then the NIV ah, says, good. <laughs> The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Right. So fat there is like the fat of the land, what we were just talking about. Right. And I, I don't know if he's like, hey, we should all be 300 pounds, but, you know, the, the, but to prosper. So these are, you know, anytime you can just do a search on prosper and you pick your version, they're going to key on that. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is the, the versions uh, are the verses that they like. Okay. And what about John 15, 7? If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. That's right. Amen. You're, you're, you're a little God. So you, you can, need that... Oh, Thousand dollar check, just ask it. That's right, and that, God will give it to now, you. Now I was mockingly <laughs> saying that. I'm not saying you're a little god, but Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and all these preachers will teach that you are a little god, and you can look it up for yourself. I, we're oh, not yeah. making no, this stuff no. up. Uh, Kenneth Copeland said one time that we said when 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 God says I am. I say I am too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yikes. And, and we have some quotes here, you know, like when Benny Hinn, um, uh, where is this? The uh, Trying to highlight it. The um, ah, I can't find it off the top of my head. We'll save that for, for later, I guess. But, oh, you don't have a God in you. You are one. That was yeah. Kenneth Copeland. And, and so they just say that you're little gods on the earth, you know, um, the uh, that word, word like... Messiahs, little messiahs. messiahs. That's crazy. Uh, but anyway, going back to where we were. John fifteen seven. That's John. a verse. I mean, it's another one. It's completely out of context. Yes. Yeah. And he's not saying, you know, you can ask God for a brand new car and he'll give it to you. That's not, it, it's not that context. It's more as 
This is the, John 15 is right before Christ is crucified, and he's telling his disciples about what's going to come and the ministries they're going to have and all that, and basically saying, you're going to need stuff, ask God for it. Right. Not for yourself and your own consumption to have those. There's another verse. I think it's in Peter. We talks about that, where you heap those things upon yourself for your own lust. Mm-hmm. Well, it's James. Oh, James. Yeah, right. Sorry. James. The, the, um, uh, the disciples, I would say, prospered. They, right. they, they received the Holy Spirit on the yeah, day of Pentecost, absolutely. and they went out and preached. They went yeah. spread the gospel out, and, and what happened to them all? They were martyred. They were all martyred. Except they were, for John. Right. Yeah. But, Ten yeah. of the twelve, Judas killing himself, right. yeah. um, were martyred, <laughs> persecuted heavily, didn't live where, the high life. Yeah, where was their fame and fortune Yeah, as they were out preaching the gospel? Yeah, Chuck's struggling here, huh? Getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think about that, though? Where's your faith, man? Yeah, where's your faith? That's right. (laughs) See what happens when you... (laughs) No, the the apostles, when you think about it, they were preaching a message that was hated by the Jews and the the Romans, the, the Gentiles. And instead of getting all this fame and fortune... They got death and persecution. Persecution and death, I guess. Right, yeah. But right. that's all they got from it. Mm-hmm. Right. And even some of their own disciples turned on them later. So it wasn't like they were living, like you said, living high on the hog. And yeah, they didn't drive around in Rolls Royce, right. as, as Frederick Price, Price would say. Yeah, you know, right. I'm just acting like Jesus. That's why I drive around in a Rolls, Rolls Royce. Royce. Yeah. And I'm like, how, why do people believe this nonsense? I, that's just baffling. I don't know. They didn't even have cars back then. Exactly. Uh, no. <laughs> So let's move on. Proverbs 22, 4. These aren't even the good ones, but we're just trying to, uh, we can't pick them all. Uh, but anyway. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So yeah, it's, it's a proverb. And, and, and look, we believe in sowing and reaping. And there is, if you put a lot of hard work in, you're probably going to make money. Right. I mean, that's just, it's just probably the way it is. Um, if, if you're very smart with your business dealings, you're probably going to make a lot of money. Now, should you spend all your time doing that? Eh, that's debatable. Right. Yeah, right. But it's, it's, you know, if you are doing what God says, you probably will prosper. Like I was talking about earlier, if you don't spend your money on all these Right, Sinful, Spices, yeah. right. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to have money. Um, but what do we do with that money? That is yeah. the question. You know, what, what do we do? So Proverbs 23.1, everyone knows that one, right? Psalm 23.1. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, got, I could hear a preacher preaching, you know. Like, I shall not I want. I shall so. not want. So we shouldn't want for anything. That's we should right. have mm-hmm. all that we would want. Yeah. Well, think about this. When the Israelites were going through the wilderness for the 40 years, they didn't have a need for food. Right. Nope. But they didn't have a variety of food either. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> the one time it came out their nostrils. Right. <laughs> but it, it God provided for them and met their needs. It wasn't necessarily what they wanted, right. but it was what they needed. And so like this, you may not get what you want, but you God will provide what you need. And that's a big difference. And it's Funny, funny story about this verse, though, when I was a kid, when I read it, it as like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, why wouldn't you want the Lord as your shepherd? Uh, (laughs) That's funny. So, 3 John 2, um, this is a very popular verse for the the, uh, prosperity teachers. They use this all the time. Go ahead. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Totally ripped out of context. Oh, yeah. I could, this is a prayer. 
Yeah. You know, that, hey, I would want, I want everyone to prosper mm-hmm. and be in good health and as your soul prospers. But once again, what, define what that looks right. like. You know, I, I believe we're all prospering in this room, hopefully, yeah. you know, yeah. in some way. Does that mean we're wealthy and healthy? Well, Chuck, are you healthy? I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Where's <laughs> <laughs> right. my faith, right? That's right. So we were trying to figure out some problems you know, like problems of the, there's so many problems. I say, trying to figure out, maybe trying to, to narrow, narrow down. Yeah, trying to narrow down. Good. A lot of problems. The, the problems because we could come up with twenty, twenty-five. So right. we we tried to come up with five. So Chuck, why don't you start us off and like, what's number one? So number one is scriptures ignored and taken way oh, yeah. out of context all the time. <laughs> so we were just talking about some of the verses. Yeah. They'll they'll cherry pick what they call cherry picking verses is our proof texting is where you have an idea and then you just pick the verse out that you want yep. to say what it wants, forgetting about the context of that verse. So they'll just rip it out, a, a verse out of context and just say, see, I'm claiming this promise. That's right. Very dangerous, especially uh, when it comes to this subject. They they ignore the surrounding verses, what the, what it's really intended to yeah. mean. Yep. So they... They take it out of context. That is a big problem of having uh, of the of the prosperity gospel. Yeah, number two we have here is it promotes greed. Oh yeah, promotes greed. So now, how does it promote greed? I mean, if this is blessings of God, how does it promote greed? Well, like we were talking about in James, uh, the. Um, why why aren't your prayers answered uh, because you ask a miss yeah. on your own lusts and and think about the motivation here is that I go to these services to get yeah right? I want to get I want that's, that's the root cause of yeah. it. it's, it's selfishness I want give stuff. me give me give me it's me I want money me, I want me, power yeah. I want success and and uh, so it promotes greed and the New Testament teaches quite the opposite that we're to be living heavenly minded mm-hmm. like we're not this isn't right. our home we're just passing through as the song says yeah, and right. and so our mindset our affection should be set on things above not on things on the earth as colossians teaches right. and and so our our mindset should be heavenly minded not earthly minded right and that that, that is a, and also, a constant and also teaches theme. Us that we should think of others before ourselves absolutely yeah. now that, that would go this wasn't on the list but this was a, a side issue and that is um you can't help anyone unless you help yourself first. Mm. See, this is the problem. Show on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah. The problem with the prosperity gospel, there's some truth to right, right, all right. that they, they yeah. say. Right. You know, some, well, sometimes it's not. But uh, there, I can't give you money if I don't have any money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, you don't have to wait to you're a 10 millionaire to give money, right, <laughs> you <yeah>. know. <laughs> so the problem is people never tend to give money, and when they do, it goes back into the church, which is already have a lot of money, and the, so it's a, it's a it promotes greed. That is the the second. Well, you have something you wanted to share there. Well, yeah, I have a quote. Uh, Gloria Copeland says. Give $10 and receive $1,000. Give $1,000 and receive $100,000. In short, Mark 10.30 is a very good deal. Yeah, Mark 10.30 talks about the hundredfold blessing, which is the max. There is a a 40, a 60, and a 100, something like that, or maybe 20, 40, 100, whatever it is, it's a great increase. And so it's a great deal. If you you want money, you got to give. Right. 
And why wouldn't you want to give the max so that you get the max return? Absolutely. I mean, come on. Guys. I just wish the preachers would leave us, leave us alone and give each other hundreds of thousands of oh, dollars yeah. so they can get lots of money. Well, think about it. If Kenneth Copeland gave to Jesse Duplantis and Jesse gave to Kenneth Hagen and Hagen gave to Copeland, they'd all be... They wouldn't need to ask anybody yeah. for. They would have money. all their money. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and which the rise of so Oral Roberts was one of the yeah he the, was the one founders the... of this. So the the rise of the the prosperity gospel didn't really hit until TV, right? And the advent of the television and the televangelist. So to, in order to stay on TV, you need money. Yeah. And so most people raising money went to the church, the local church. Right. Well, these aren't local church things. These are parachurches usually. Um, they're, they're ministries that are apart from the church. That's a parachurch. And so they have to raise their own money. So they have to come up with other schemes to raise money. And instead of just saying, hey, just give us money if you feel blessed. You know, they know they have to come up with other schemes. So it does promote the greed part. If you bless our ministry, God will bless, bless you a hundred right, times. That's right. So that's that's not even true. Yeah. So it's uh, it's unfortunate. So what what do we have for number three? Number three is it equates earthly riches with God's blessing. So don't point to people like Job. Oh yeah. And and um, King Abraham. Saul, our King. Uh, yeah, Solomon. Abraham Solomon. Solomon. You know, and hey, these were righteous people, and God blessed them with finances and right. money and possessions and things like that. And he did. You know, yeah. we're not going to argue that. That is a, you're not going to find too many New Testament believers. I was going to say, where are they in the New Testament in the church? Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, they had rich people. They obviously, uh, in Acts, they, they, they were the, the wealthy people laid their money before the yeah. apostles. They gave their money. And um, and there's some messages to the rich and, and Timothy and, and things like that, which we'll get to here in just a second. But it equates earthly riches with God's blessing so that if you are wealthy, then you are blessed of God. That's not true. We see a lot right. of rich people <laughs> in this world that aren't anywhere near believers. Right, exactly. And, and yeah. so it's like... That would mean that the apostles weren't very blessed of God because they didn't have any money. Right? They just—they didn't. They—they—they they, they had all their possessions taken from them. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, number four. Number four. I would assume is here. We put, it promotes faith in your own faith. Oh yeah. That's... Right. So we were talking about this earlier that they'll blame you for your lack of healing right. because you don't have faith mm-hmm. enough. So then you have to conjure up faith. And so then you, in, in turn, and they teach this, actually, that you have to have faith in your own faith. Right. And then you get into self-talk. Yes. And right. you build yourself up. And, right. And then you start... I'm great. I'm wonderful. People like... Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and it's it's it becomes all about you at this point. And now your, your faith turns from Christ to yourself. And like, do I really believe? I've got to build up my faith. Yeah. And I've got to uh, increase my faith. For what? To... Get more of Christ? No, no, to, to get, get money, right? To get money to or, get or healing. I mean, yeah. What it really yeah. gets yeah. me is whenever people talk about, well, if you had enough faith, you'd be healed, right? So I got to go get more faith so I can be healed. But then, if I'm never healed, did I not have enough faith? That's the, the big one, that's right? You know, right. you know, how do you look at me and say I'm the reason I didn't get healed, right? Or, yeah. You didn't You're the faith healed. healer. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they will do crusades. Uh, the faith healers will will do all these crusades to heal 
people, and yet there's thousands that don't get healed. Right? Wasn't and, it Oral Roberts that opened up a hospital? Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, because <laughs> wasn't bankrupt. he one of the like the first televangelist yes. faith healers? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it didn't go very well for him, yeah. unfortunately. So faith in your own faith, that is right. that is a problem. And then number five, we have we already talked about this, you have to give to get. Oh, yeah. Right. And that is the sowing and reaping aspect of what they'll tell you. So these are very subtle. You might even hear it in your church because churches are going to promote giving right. in some way. And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but However you want to give, I, I believe in giving. So let me just say that out front. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe in giving. I don't think tithing is a New Testament principle, but call it whatever you want. I know people are like, well, I'm giving and I call it my tithe. And I'm like, whatever. You yeah. know, I get it. But you, they, churches, the, the Catholic Church didn't teach tithing. So it was after the Reformation that tithing became a thing and uh, became a commonplace thing in a lot of the local churches to get money into the church. Well, tithing isn't enough for some of these people, so they they get you to give in nefarious ways. And one of them is to give to get, like we were just talking about with Gloria Copeland, and we have plenty of quotes on that, (laughs) of where they... Basically saying, if you want a blessing from God, quote unquote, money from God mm-hmm, or right. healing, you have to give. That's basically indulgences right there. Yeah. Like, hey, you want something from God, you're going to have to give to the man of God, by the way. This oh, isn't yeah, just like, right, hey, yeah. I know my poor neighbor needs some help. I'll go help. No, 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 no. no, no it no, has yeah. to be to my ministry right. and my ministry alone. And I'll anoint it and I'll pray over right. it and you will be blessed. They're... they're they are working. They are living off the the backs of a lot of poor people in America. And living very well. Yes, yeah. it well, is sad. And the sad thing is that as Christians, we're supposed to, according to Scripture, give to the poor. But instead, right. we give to these rich, right. you yeah. know, preachers. Yes, because, and, well, they're, like, they're blessed of God, and don't touch God's anointed. Right, and know? it makes mm-hmm. God basically um, like a genie. Yes. You, Pay, pay him, and he'll bless you. He'll right. give you something in return. Yeah, and I call it Santa Claus theology. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, good. I remember the song when I was young that was give and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over. Over. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so next we got here, I think you got three or so verses that you'd probably, I, you don't have a title, but I'm going to put it on here. You probably never hear a prosperity gospel preacher say. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you would be surprised. <laughs> you would be very surprised. But this is what the Bible teaches. And then once again, there's plenty of verses, but we're going to just do a few of them. And these are actually back to back, but we're going to break them apart just for the sake. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And I love this verse. This is this was yeah. like a, a verse that I grew up with believing big time. And and I, I like I'm I didn't like the direction that the prosperity te- the teachings were going where people were seeking money. And like I said, I was close to taking like a, a St. Francis of Assisi yeah. vow. <laughs> well, you but, think about this verse, it's a very short list of what to have to be content. Right. Food and Food, clothes. Yes. Not even a place <laughs> yeah. to stay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but assuming that you'd have a place to stay too, but it's it's just the simple things in life that we should be content. Right. Contentment. There's a word that you right. won't hear yeah. from the prosperity teachers. Well, that, that section of Scripture goes on, actually. So, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 11. 
says, but, a they, warning. but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. I mean, there's like you could preach a sermon right there on oh, this. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a warning to the rich. Now, once again, it's not a sin to be wealthy, right? You, you know, but here's a warning: there there is a snare, there is a temptation that you can go down and be distracted by the the things of this world. Yeah. In fact, isn't there, there's a the, the the parable of the the seeds. Um, uh, the, or the sower the, that goes out into the field mm-hmm. and throws out the seeds. And one of the things is that one of the seeds that gets taken away is because of the cares of this the world, world yeah, and right. the riches and the, the things that this world offers. And But here it says, uh, they pierced themselves through with many sorrows, but thou, man of God, flee these things. He's telling us to flee the love of money. Yep. It's mm-hmm. just the opposite of you're you're going to give to get. It's a bad attitude. Yeah, it's a terrible it's a terrible thing. So it's the, flee these things and follow instead after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Meekness is not yeah. living lavishly no. and, and 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 showing off your watch and your clothes and your cars and your yeah. houses and. Uh, yeah, we're actually told that we're supposed to give expecting nothing in return. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's true. Let not your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's right. That's, yeah. yeah. And then we have uh, Matthew 6, 19, 21, uh, 19 through 21, and then verse 24. We're, we're breaking it up there. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon beating money. So it's, you cannot serve two masters, you can't serve God and money. And so raise up, uh, not raise up, um, um, store up yourselves treasures in heaven, not on, on the earth. I think that is a pretty clear concept in the New Testament where... This is not our home. This is not where we're to build up. This is not where we're to to keep all our money in the right. bank and build up a a, a, a kingdom here. Yeah. It's to be somewhere else. Uh, all this place is just the rust and and the moths and steal yeah. thieves can steal. Well, like you were saying, I think the difference is it's okay to. If you start a business and you become successful and you make a lot of money, there's nothing wrong with that. It's what is your motivation? If you're looking to God or theology as a means to get those riches, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I used to God have, is not a means to our end. Right. Yeah. God may bless you in business, but he may do that like, like going back to um, Joseph in the Old Testament. God raised him up for a specific reason. In Egypt, because there was famine coming, and they needed somebody who knew how to manage things very well, and that was Joseph. So sometimes if God blesses you, and as a Christian, you you should ask, okay, God has blessed me. What does he want me to do with this? Mm -hmm. Rather than say, you know, what toy can I buy now? Or, you know, using those things upon ourselves. Sure. Right. It, it just it serves our own lusts right. yeah. and and like things do, which we have a quote here and, and we'll get to it. 
but it's like these things are for my pleasure and that's a danger that when mm-hmm. we're just seeking for our pleasure usually that means sin isn't too far behind right. Right. yeah so i used to have a trouble with that verse about you know the love of money is the root of all evil mm-hmm. but as i've gotten older you think about it you look at our world and what evil has done and money is usually associated with it yeah. in some yeah. form they want stuff they yeah, want their want... stuff they want to be in power they want yeah. the money so anyway, we have a couple. So as we were talking about last week with the charismatic kind of chaos, and I know we're running out of time, um, but quickly, charismatic chaos kind of lends toward this. So if oh, you're yeah. not, if you're if you're opening yourself up to some of the, the wackadoo uh, theology, you're opening yourself up here. Well, here's some of the things that these famous preachers have said, <laughs> and you judge for yourself. Is this the direction you want to go? So. Go ahead, babe. Kenneth Hagen, one of our Prosperity's uh, Gospel founders. He says, It is the plan of our Father God in His great love and in His great mercy that no believer should ever be sick, that every believer should live his full lifespan down here on this earth. I don't even know what that means. Like, yeah. what's our full lifespan? They have, I'm sure they well, have a number. you need to get number. the book, Your Best Life Now. <laughs> That's right. That's, you know, <laughs> our full lifespan. And, you know, someone that I knew, we, we got into this disagreement, and she was telling me that you just die sometimes, not because of disease or sickness. You just die. And I'm like, well says who, right. you know, like it, usually it's a disease of the heart, a disease. And, um, and unfortunately she has passed away, but she was holding on to these doctrines and, and we were discussing it because she wouldn't go to a doctor. Yeah. And I'm like, you're, I, 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 I understand your faith, but you're believing in something that isn't guaranteed. Right. And she did try to tell me, well, she was like, well, what is any different between this and your teaching on being free from sin? I'm like, okay, I understand what you're saying because when I'm teaching being free from sin and being dead to sin, we're in Romans 6 where it talks about this, that we have to believe something that is not necessarily a reality in our right. life. Like right. none of us look at our lives and go, hey, right. I'm completely free from sin. <laughs> right. But the Bible says that this is our position. This is that yeah. where we mm-hmm. are, that we are dead to sin and we're alive to God. And it is our our challenge to us to believe those things that are written. Right. It is the position that that because of Christ has made that available for us that we are dead to sin, that we're all alive to God, that we are seated in heavenly places. These are things that the scripture teaches that are guaranteed to us. And we have to, we, we believe these things even though we don't see the reality. The difference is we're not guaranteed healing or right. else we'd all live forever here on earth. Yeah. And and so uh, we're not guaranteed finances. It doesn't, yeah. where does it say that? I know the other verse is ready, uh, yeah. but it doesn't well, teach that. What about Paul? What did he tell Timothy? It said, you know, drink a little wine for your, for your stomach. stomach's sake. Yeah. Obviously, why didn't Paul heal him? Or why didn't Timothy heal Paul? Believe God. Uh, or that's true. And, or what about and, Paul when he had his thorn in the flesh? Yeah. He asked God three times yeah. to take it. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay, so we're going to see Kenneth Higgins here. And I think back, you know, thinking about what he said, uh, it may have been God's original plan that we not die or we may not be sick when sure. they have sure. but yeah. we have this problem called sin that yes. ruined all that yeah. it's a big problem yes. and they will tie the redemption of Jesus Christ into our healing and our wealth and be like because Jesus in, in Isaiah where it says by his stripes we were healed yeah. 
they will connect that to now no one is sick and everyone is now get all the blessings now. And that's not true. It's not true. We, we, that's why we have this blessed hope, heaven. You know, we, we, we earnestly wait for heaven because we don't see these things fully yet. So let's go move on to Creflo Dollar. Uh-huh. He says, that what? is his last name for real, Dollar. <laughs> yeah, I know. Did he change his last name? <laughs> no, <that>? no. <laughs> he said, well, you need to hear about money because you ain't going to have no love and joy and peace until you get some money. That is terrible. I, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this. Right. Like, you're basically saying that we can't have joy and peace until we get money. I mean, that's ridiculous. The, that tell that to these third world countries where people are being persecuted, right. and they have joy and peace, and are willing to die for their faith. But you're saying you need money. Are the Christians in North Korea who are yeah. being persecuted and tortured, yeah, and have nothing, yeah. but yet they have peace and joy. Uh, what about Benny Hinn? Oh, oh yes. My he says, God will begin to prosper you for money always follows righteousness. Always follows. <laughs> right. That, it, that's not always true. In fact, you know, Christ would say that they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And he was the most righteous man <laughs> that ever lived. <laughs> so if they persecuted him, come on, man. All right, what, Paul said that all those that live godly in Christ Jesus are suffer per- persecution. Yeah. Yes. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, Benny Hinn also said, I don't need gold in heaven. I got to have it now. Okay, what else did he say here? He said, the Bible warns us clearly that we must not attack men of God, no matter how sinful they may have become or wicked in our eyes. So this goes back to the charismatic <laughs> teachings of, and the, these specific yeah. teachers of touch not God's anointed. Uh, and <laughs> touch not God, it's taking a verse completely out of scripture. <laughs> and I've heard people say this all the time. How dare you say anything bad about these people? Right. They're men of God. Well, that's debatable, one. And number two, that verse that you're using th- doesn't say that we can't question. In fact, the New Testament tells us to judge with, yeah, with righteous yes. judgment and determine whether they are speaking the truth. Well, and the context of that was when David found Saul in the cave and his men wanted him to kill him. Right. And David says, it's not right for me to put forth my hand against God's yeah. anointed. Right. And what's anointed? The king. The king. That's what we're talking about. So anyway, um, let's move on to, oh, Paula White here. What do we have oh, from Paula? Yeah, she go. said, anyone who tells you to deny yourself is from Satan. Tell anyone who deny, to, uh, anyone that tells you to deny yourself. Didn't somebody say uh, to take up your cross? And deny, yourself? <laughs> deny yourself. Deny yourself. Who was that? Uh, it was Jesus. Uh, yeah. uh, that is kind of the whole point of Scripture is it's not about me. Right. I deny myself of these things for the better better thing, which is Christ. And uh, she's saying if anyone tells you that to deny yourself, that is the opposite of the gospel yeah. of Christ is like to, to just feed your own flesh. And it gets ridiculous. Um, so quickly here, I know we're way over. Uh, here's a chart here where the prosperity gospel and the biblical gospel. So the prosperity gospel says Jesus, death and resurrection provide health uh, health and wealth. Wealth and health. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and basically what I'm, that we just talked about Isaiah there. Oh, yeah. You forgot about, you know, by his stripes we were healed. Right. Yeah. yeah that's that, that's where Isaiah. they take the, the what happened at the cross right. and now it's it, it makes us healthy and wealthy. But the Bible says Jesus' death and resurrection offer forgiveness of sin and right relationship with God. It's all about sin and having a right, right. relationship, <laughs> not about my money and my possessions and healing here. Uh, it's so short term to think that. 
that I need healing now. We're here for what, 80 years? Mm. And that's what we're concerned about is Mm -hmm. my health and my wealth here. Um, uh, they teach that suffering is never in the will of God, and Jesus promised in this world that we will have suffering, but our confidence is in the Lord. Money is a sign of blessing and favor, according to them. Uh, the believer, the Bible teaches the believer has been given every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's about the blessings of what God can give us in our spirits, right. you know, not yeah. in possessions of material things. Uh, they teach that uh, the prosperity teachers teach, give and you will pro- prosper financially and live your best life now, as Joe Osteen would say. <laughs> yeah. And the Bible teaches it is more blessed to give than receive. That's an axe. Trusting that God will give you what you need. Uh, it, it's, it's very simple. And the one last thing is they teach that giving to specific ministries will expedite the return of Christ. I don't know what they're talking. That, that is, wow. Everything is about their ministry. If you give to our ministry, yeah. you'll be blessed. But Christians go and preach the gospel to every nation, trust that the Lord knows the day and the hour. And so, this is, there is so much that you can look on this, this subject. It is, it's, it's a very damaging doctrine and right. it sneaks into your church. So, if you sense some of these things, we need to correct these things because it'll blow up. And uh, it'll prosper. No, it'll, <laughs> it'll right. grow. Yeah. And and so we 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 got to stand for the truth. The, the problem is, it's like Jesus isn't enough, and right. we need to have our stuff now. It's in a very American gospel, yeah. but unfortunately, it is growing in Africa. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was going to say when I looked up the top prosperity preachers, they had several in Nigeria. Yes. And I thought, Whoa. It is what the crazy, world? and and to exploit poor people, which they are in Nigeria and in Africa, there's yeah. a lot of yeah. poor people. That's a shame. I it mean, we a, have yeah. we have poor people in America, but... Not like that. Uh, no, exactly. No. And, and it is, it's really, really sad. Yeah. So, anyway... Well, I, just real quick, we were talking before we started, was the... In some, a system like this, they will use the Bible as a means to justify what they want to teach or justify themselves. Or use, but for us... We use the Bible as a foundation for what we believe. And in a sense, the Bible justifies, we are justified in Christ because of what he did, and our faith is built on him. Not We're not using it as a means to get something right? other than the salvation that Christ provided. Yeah, I mean, we're not and using it. it we're to, not using right. it to... We're believing it. Right. And uh, so that's a, a big difference. A big yeah. difference. Yeah. All right, Chuck. We're gonna have you? mercy on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been he's been a good trooper here, yeah. uh, but he's been uh, he's been having a little cough, I guess. And so, uh, anyway, but you know, it's important to go search these things out, go look in the scriptures, and uh, see if these things are true. Don't just believe a preacher just because right. he says it, and that includes us. Yeah, you know, go and search the scriptures and and see what they teach. The Mike Charleston Show. History with Larry. All right, Larry. It's another week. It is. Some more history. Yeah, and Last do. week we had tater tots and, and, and french fries. That's right. Which I think more people said french fries. Uh, I knew it. Uh, you got to yeah. go to Facebook and check it out. But, but yeah, this week it's Snickers uh, You know what it is? I think, I think it is because... People haven't really had the experience of a tater tot. Tater tots. Yes. Oh, oh, uh, okay. Anyway, 
I, I don't even know how to process that. <laughs> so, um, all right, go well, ahead. What do we have this well, week? This week was actually inspired by Chuck. Oh, yeah, wow. Chuck, Ch- our Chuck. Yeah, our okay. Chuck. So he, when we he had the day of fellowship at his house, he sure. brought up something I'd never heard of before: the Civilian Conservation Corps. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. He, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you never heard of that, right? So I never heard of it, but I looked at I do now. You do now. I do now. And that's so if I never heard of it, I figured a lot of other people never heard of it, especially people younger than me, which uh, would people be younger than you would be quite babies. a baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People it's younger than you haven't people. heard of anything. It's a growing number <laughs> yes. for sure. They haven't heard of a lot of things. Yeah. So yeah. Now this program I'm gonna say from the beginning is I'm not I'm not typically a fan of government programs. Okay. Because they, yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, he is. Because they usually cost more and they're ineffective. What about national parks? Yeah, well, that's an exception. So okay. I'd say, and uh, this is kind of around. And that. this is around that. And, sure. Um, given the circumstance of how it was created, maybe it could have been different and not needed. But it was created, and like you know, broken clock can be right twice a day. Yep, as they say. Yep. Yeah. Unless so, the brokenness is like following anyway, yeah, right. unless it's a broken clock, like in my truck, where it <laughs> it just constantly goes. <laughs> According to my clock, it took me uh, fifteen minutes to get here, which is usually a seven minute drive. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, the the, the Civilian Conser- Conservation Corp was a program by FDR, the CCP. Oh no, that's different. Okay, it's similar CCP. but different. <laughs> <laughs> That's the communist, Russians. the Chinese Communist oh. Party. The well, no, the Russians. They had oh, the yeah, that, oh, that's right. CCP right. was, yeah. That yeah. Was, I don't remember what it stands for in Russia. Matt, we're getting way off yes, topic. Yes, way off topic, yes. <laughs> it was a program during the Roosevelt's New Deal mm. for the, the Depression as a work program. For, it was in, it just instituted in 1933, and it ran for nine years. Okay. Almost, uh, yeah, about nine years. So could we say it's an old deal now? Yeah, it's old. Right. <laughs> but it would give young men a chance to work. Young men. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives them a the chance to work. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that reference a lot of people won't get. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. Like me. You got to be old like me and mm. you, but in our mm. worldly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So in 1933, men would go to work. They'd work in camps, and they'd live at the camp. The camp would provide food and shelter necessities, and they'd get paid. These were work camps, not work like camps. Yeah, summer camps. Yeah, no, right. they were work camps. They get paid mm-hmm. a whopping thirty dollars a month. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's um, is that a lot? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like. Well, it. they were they were allowed to keep five dollars of it. What What do you mean? And they'd send twenty five dollars oh, back home. Okay, sure. So they didn't have to pay for lodging. They didn't have to pay for food. Okay, medical sure. care was paid for. So really, I mean, in 1933, five dollars was quite a bit, if you say so. I mean, and they didn't have to buy gas for their car because they weren't they didn't going have cars, to, right? Oh. So, <laughs> so it was a chance to for them to earn some money, but also to send it home to sure. help their families. And uh, some of the things that they did now, by the time it ended. It's amazing what they accomplished. For example, they planted 2.3 billion trees. Wow. In the nine years that they were in wow. operation. That's like a billion. 
Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a over lot. double a billion. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's a, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of trees. <clears throat> uh, they also constructed. I think they all did that in Mississippi too. I think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all trees. <laughs> They also constructed 126,000 miles of roads and trails. In the, in the, in the parks? Uh, yeah. Or well, real roads? Roads and, yeah. Oh, okay. And, and part of the trail system we have today okay. was from the... But that's oh. a lot. Yes, it a is. A lot of miles. That, that's just incredible. And they laid 100,000 miles of telephone lines. Wow. Yeah. They were busy. They could have just waited until we had cell phones. As you say, yeah, I know that's kind of yeah. pointless. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but at the time, that, yeah. that was that was a nice thing. Yeah, they fought forest fires, okay. and they also built uh, what they called um, uh, check dams to help with erosion, okay. like on hillsides sure. and things like that. Uh, sure. Um, and fire prevention in forest lands, they cut like uh, fire breaks through the forest and stuff. There, like you said, it wasn't a summer camp. It was right. actually a true work camp. Yes. And they, uh, they built, this is an interesting thing. They constructed um, 45,000 bridges and buildings during their time. 45,000 bridges? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Why don't we do this again? Because all of our infrastructure is falling apart. <laughs> <I> know, <it's laughs> all those bridges are falling <laughs> apart now. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Uh, and also, they built hundreds of state parks. Okay. And with cabins, they, so the state parks they built mm-hmm. with cabins, artificial lakes, and water systems for the park. Artificial legs? lakes, lakes, oh, lakes. Okay. <laughs> so I, it was an amazing program. I was like, "Wow, what?" I mean, you think of go- government programs today, and you're like, That's, "Yeah," but I mean, that was money well spent. That they yeah, it paid people and give them work, and it actually accomplished some good things. Yeah, and they got stuff done. That's just I was like, when it, the more I read about, it, I was like. That's pretty amazing. 45,000 bridges made by the government, though. I, well, mm, yeah. That yeah. sounds like the government used to work. Like yeah, when you worked did. for the yeah, government, I know, they yeah. actually did At stuff. one point, it did. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> the, the program actually came to an end for a couple of reasons. One was World War II broke oh, out. Oh, mm. sure. Makes sense. And Well, but before that... They actually were in existence at the same time we entered the war, mm. and they actually helped build airfields and expanded military bases in the United States. So they did work for the military, but they were having a hard time keeping men because they were leaving to go to war, to go to the war, to go to factories where sure. they get paid more money. Yeah. So, and then eventually Congress, they needed the money funding the CCC for the war effort. So right. they, they disbanded it in 1942. Oh, that's too bad. So, yeah. Wow. But I thought that was a Chuck mentioned it when I was at his house, and I was like, I don't know, I've never heard of right. that. And so I looked it up. I was like, Wow, that is a, that is an amazing program. Yeah, that they did all that, and and this is coming from Larry, who is not very pro <laughs> yeah, <not> government <laughs> work. Yeah. So yeah, that, so if you get a chance to look up that, you know, you can find more information about it. The this most of the information I got was from the. I think it was a historychannel.com. Okay, sure. So, yeah. But yeah, well, sweet. Pretty amazing. Sounds pretty interesting. So, uh, go check out some more information on the, what is it, CCP? Civilian Conservation Corp. Oh, CCC. CCC, yeah. yeah. CCP is different. Yes. Yeah, that's totally different. Well, the Russians were CCCP. Yes. Right. And the Chinese are the CCP. Are they the, uh, yeah, anyway. Chinese Communist Party. Right. Totally different. Totally different. Yes. (laughs) 
The Mike Charleston Show. Music with Sarah. What song do you like? All right, babe, we are slowly going down your thousand songs. I've got more than a thousand. More than a thousand songs. <laughs> oh, All yeah, right. for well, sure. This week, I, I took a guess at it, and um, I was right. You were, but you didn't think you were right. No, I didn't, <laughs> because I don't know the name of the the name of it. But what is the name of it? This song is called "Christ Be All," and it's by a new band that we have never heard of. Yeah, Grace Worship. Yeah, and I, I looked, guess. and it apparently this album came out in twenty twenty, so it's oh, a few okay. years old. It's a little bit more obscure, but uh, that's fine. I don't know how we found this. Uh, Abigail found it, or something like that. I actually found it on my. Spotify release radar. They ah, show me new songs. They released that they, it three years later. That they think I'll like. Yeah, or I guess I don't know how release radars whatever. work, but whatever. Somehow it came across my feed and I played it and I liked it and then I forgot about it for a while. And then recently I was going back through my liked songs and I came across it and I was like, wait, I love this. I want to learn it. So I did. Yeah, so this song actually, it's a hymn like song. It has a lot of verses, it does have a chorus, and it does have a bridge or it something. Does. But it anyways, does. it is a, this has a unique story to it, right? We were watching the story uh, the other day and this comes from a book. Right. Um, the prayer. author, yeah, the author was reading a book by Andrew Murray. Right. And um, in it, I think, I think there was actually a poem that he had written and it just struck him and he was like, Hey, I, I need to make a song out of this. Like, this is really good. Right. So he did. So we, we were trying to find that poem, yeah. and it was really hard to do. So I don't yeah. know if it was all word by word, or if they took part of it and then added. Right. To I don't theirs. even know which book by Andrew Murray, and I think he's written a few. So yes. I mean, hey, I don't know, but that's the story. So right. I would assume. And that's what we're going with. Yeah. But anyway, it is a great song. Um, I, I love the chorus. It says, "May Christ be all, and I be nothing. His glory shines in the vessels weak. May Christ be all, and I be nothing. This is my hope." Not I, but Christ in me. Right. And it's one that is really easy to catch on to. And like, you know, we we sing it, but we just keep singing the chorus over and over again because that's the easy part. Right. But um, anyway, um, obviously from that those words, may Christ be all and I be nothing, you kind of get the gist of the song. And right. it's thinking less of me. And I, I heard somebody recently say that they were talking about humility and how humility is not thinking less of myself it's thinking about myself less right and i thought that was really interesting but um anyway that is my prayer is that christ would become my all and that everything that i need i know from scripture i know that everything i need is found in him but i want him to be my all my everything that satisfies everything that fulfills to be found in him absolutely and and i know there can be like these false humilities and, right. and where yeah. we try to put on airs and say the i am nothing and we try to convince ourselves but at the heart of it we are nothing right and yeah. uh if we put confidence in our own abilities we're gonna fail pretty much and that's that's the second line it says i am poor i am nothing all my deeds cannot avail and you know I think of myself and it's like, I'm a good person, you right. know, and I try to do good things, but it's like, she no matter... She said that in air quotes for you podcasters. Okay. Um, but it's like, no matter how much good I do, I can never do anything nope. that would merit any favor with God or anything to anything that lasts. So anyway, and then the, the bridge, it has, um, bring me low, my heart lower still that your grace, my pride relieves. May these words resound loud until every tribe and tongue believes. And... 
it's just like it kind of builds there. And I think it's really cool to think of, um, you know, us becoming less and realizing the greatness of God and then all of us coming together, sure. every tribe, every tongue, and, you know, imagining that day in heaven when we're all singing together about the greatness of God. And actually the last, and it has a fourth verse, because um, you think it's over and then it kind of quiets down and goes to another verse and um, says, On golden shores of, of sure salvation, I will run to meet my king, free from shame and all accusation. He'll give himself nothing I'll bring. Right. And it's, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. It's pretty easy to sing, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, if you think that you can bring something to God, you got another thing coming. And we are bringing nothing. And so that is kind of at the heart of this is that it's all about Christ. And, yeah. and that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, go yeah. check it out. It's yeah. uh, Christ Be All by Grace Worship. They're from Iowa or Illinois or something like Illinois. that. Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. And you can watch the video. I don't. I guess it's on Spotify. Oh yes, which I do have to say for Spotify listeners or maybe Apple. I don't know. Oh. But it ends there at the end of the verse. It just kind of quiets down and just. But g- hold it on. Ends. But if you go listen to the live version on YouTube, or if you go to their website, you can click on the live version. It has a little surprise at the end because at the end you think, okay, it's done. And and when we're singing it at home, like when we finish it. We'll sing the chorus again. Well, on the live version, they do they too. They do sing the chorus, and it's all a cappella, and it's it's really it's pretty right. cool. So go check it out on go check it out YouTube for the live version. The Mike Charleston Show. Marriage. All right, babe. For this marriage moment week of the question of the week or discussion of the week, we were watching or not we were watching we were reading an article here from finance buzz or whatever it is and they have 14 reasons married couples should keep separate bank accounts now 14 reasons we're going to go over these 14 reasons now i don't think as a married couple you should have separate uh checking accounts or bank accounts, bank accounts. separate money Period. Like these are not good. worldly. These are worldly. A worldly website that gives advice on finances and things like that. Well, this is where our world is right now, yeah. and so we're going to go quickly through these fourteen things and maybe make a few comments on it. But check out what the world is. The first thing is shocking: is that fifty-seven percent, fifty-seven percent of married couples have separate bank accounts. Right. Fifty-seven yeah. percent have. So yeah. that is shocking in and of itself, right there. Yeah, that's so, okay. Really sad. So let's go through these fourteen really quickly. Number one is no nitpicking each other's Amazon buys. I think that is very shallow already. We're we're already <laughs> in the shallow bit. So we're nitpicking. So marriage is a a place where you have an opportunity to really get to know someone, connect with someone. You become one with someone, right. and part of that is well. Getting to communicate about purchases and, and things realizing like that. we both buy things differently, and you know, and, and if you have and a problem, okay. we need to talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. So, all right. So, number two. Number two, no secret spending because um, it says sixty-two percent of married couples admitted to secret spending. Well, and so. when you're sharing a bank account, I guess there could be a time for secret spending. Yeah. But to say to have a separate bank account so you don't have it is a silly argument. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Okay, number three. Number three, save for your own individual goals. Now, I really have a problem with this one yeah. because your own individual goals, you cease being an, I shouldn't say you cease being an individual. You are still an individual. But, but kind of the goal of marriage is that you become one. And so it's now our goals. Right. I don't have a goal. Now, I may have something where, 
uh, like one of the examples or something like, you know, get a boat or something like that. Right. And so maybe that's more something I would want, but hopefully you're on board with that, yeah. you know, or maybe something that you want. And we work together for those goals. Um, but to just say, I have an individual goal, you have an individual goal. And uh, that's that's very, very shallow. Yep, pretty much. Number four is what's mine stays mine. So I guess basically what I come to marriage with, I want to keep. Right. So. Now that is, you're setting yourself up for separation and divorce. And by saying what's mine is mine, that is not gospel. That is yeah. not the Bible. That is not what marriage is intended for. What is mine is yours. Right. That's what the Bible teaches is that it is now ours no yep. matter what it is. Now, to be fair, there's some things in our relationship that is mine and yours, right. but for all intents and purposes, it is ours. Yeah. Number five is it elevates gifting. And this is ridiculous. Now, <laughs> if you feel like you have to gift someone, um, you could figure a way to do that, I, I'm sure. But we, we aren't really givers to each other. You know, it's yeah. like if I want to get something for you, I'll get it. If you want to get whatever, it's it's still nice. I don't care where the money comes from. If you, if it's thoughtful and it's not absurd money, you know, right. whatever. But to have separate accounts just so you can give a gift is a bad, bad reason. Well, if I buy you a gift and you're upset because I spent your money because you're the one that actually <laughs> right. does make all the money, I feel like we have bigger problems. Well, we have to discuss that too, is that most of the people in America have two income homes. Right. So this is why it's an issue. So yeah. you have... Like I have my money and you have your money. Well, we don't have two incomes. So it makes it a little bit easier to share money because, well, it's right. it's all mine, right? No, it's all ours. Yeah. But in uh, in most households, if you have two incomes coming in, there is that temptation. Well, this is my money and I can do with it what I will. And yeah. we'll talk about that more after we get done. So, um, Then number six is build and maintain your own credit history. Once again, well, for what purpose? Why not build and maintain your yours together? Like you've never had a credit history, right? I barely even, I don't think I have one right now, yeah. but the, um, once again, why aren't we doing these things together? This is called right. marriage. This yeah. is, why are, why, why did you even get married if you want to still be individuals? Yep. Number seven is both spouses come to understand finances. Well, I think this is important no matter what. I think both spouses should have an understanding of finances, but why can't you do that together? Yeah. I think you should sit down and, and t- discuss a budget together and, and work on finances together and understand how to do that together. Even though you, most of the time, handle most of it, yeah. uh, I still know what's going on. Right. So uh, to, to me, that is uh, a, a bad argument to have separate accounts. Number eight is you're used to financial independence. You're used to financial independence. Well, guess what? You're used to all kinds of independence. Right. And when you come together, you have to learn to adjust. You yeah. know, it's like, I have to learn to share now. I have to learn to be an adult. You know, come on. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Well, the reasoning is that people are getting married much older. So if I don't get married till I'm 30, 35, well, I'm used to that. So, okay. Right. Whatever. No, number nine is you have different spending habits. Of course you do. I, I'm, and that's what makes the, the wonderful thing about marriage is you learn yeah. that, hey, my spouse might be a spender and I'm a saver, right. you know, as they always say, or both of you are spenders <laughs> and Uh-oh. you have to figure that out. If that becomes a problem, you have to discuss that and go through with that. And if it, it becomes an issue, then you need to get someone to help you with that. But yeah. just to say, you know, um, I'm going to just do this on my own. And because I have different spending habits, I need my own account is ridiculous. I mean, right. we knew someone that had to borrow money from their spouse. Yeah. 
uh, and then they had to pay them back and owe their spot. That is, I, I just, I can't even fathom what that even means. <laughs> All right. Number 10, maintain your own identity. I sound like a, I sound like a bro- broken record here, but <laughs> your identity is now with your spouse. Yes, yeah. you still have an individual identity. Sure. I am still Mike Charleston and you are still Sarah, but together we have an identity and yeah. that's what I want to work on. I want to work that our identity is unified and, yeah. and not separate. What's, well, I don't, I don't understand. Okay. Right. So number 11. Number 11, preparing for the worst case scenario. Yeah. We're working to what they are talking about here. And the yeah. worst, what is the worst case scenario? A divorce, you, you mean, know, it, that's, that's got to be what it's talking about. And if I'm prepared, if I already have my little thing on the side here, and if something bad goes, hap- I have it. I still have, yeah. I'm protecting myself. That's not faith and trust in your partner. Yeah. Well, that, I guess maybe it could mean also death. I guess. But, but if you have separate accounts, how are you going to get theirs? Well, that's <laughs> so. true. Yeah. So maybe not. Okay. Number 12. This was my favorite one. Not really, but it's the worst one. Improve finances for your next marriage. That is incredible. I mean, like I said, you already know where they're going with a lot of these. Right. It's about me. It's about myself. How do yeah. I protect me and myself and my stuff? And this just is blatant that you know, protect your finances for your yeah. next marriage. Improve your finances. Make sure you have a good credit score. So for your next marriage... How about you work on your current marriage? Yeah. Yeah. Number 13. Number 13, you can avoid an imbalance of power. Well, once again, if you're discussing how the biblical principles where ahead, uh, the man is ahead of the home and the woman is not the head of the home, but she still has a voice in the relationship, the, the world doesn't see it that way. And so we both have power. Well, you, you can't have two CEOs, you know, you can't have yeah. two, you know, leaders you're going to have problems. And so I want to discuss these things. I want us to be in agreement as much as possible. But it just, you know, to say we have an imbalance of power because I control what we do. Well, if I'm already doing that, I'm probably a bad husband. And, And, but we discuss our purchases. We discuss where we're going to spend our money. Come on, man. The the imbalance of power is weird. Okay. Number four. And number 14 is a healthier marriage. Well, that's their opinion. I don't know how they come to that conclusion. That's a healthier marriage. The the more that we become one, the more that's healthy. Yeah. Well, I will say that this is a lot of the articles I was reading and reading about this topic. Most people do say we should have separate accounts on some level and most marriages aren't happy and half the marriages so or whatever are ending in divorce. So I'm like, it's not working. So. Well, you know, on a practical... So if you're not a Christian, I could see how some of these things could be make sense because yeah. I don't know if my wife's going to go out on me. I don't know if, you know, what the next phase of my life is. So I need to prepare mm-hmm. for the future for myself. But being a Christian, and if you want to do what the, the Bible teaches, and you have to trust your spouse. These are yeah. these are imperative things. You want to become one with your spouse. Now, if you have a two-income home, this is where it gets a little tricky. The Having a one-income home almost forces you to become one with it, or else you're just a selfish jerk. <laughs> you know, like, it's my money, and you can't have any of it. Well, that, that's selfish. But if there's two incomes being brought into the home, you really have to work together because yeah. the temptation is this is my money, this is your money. Mm-hmm. And and so I guess that's where a lot of this is coming in. But it should be the attitude of, hey, we are one unit and we're bringing money in together. And how can we use this to bring glory to God? Yeah. That is the Christian's perspective, should be the Christian's perspective. I, I'm just shocked at what the, the world is basically preparing 
caring and protecting yourself in case of divorce. Yeah. You know, and quite honestly, that's where a lot of the marriages go. So it is a. Uh, it a makes sense in their system the way that they work that that's what they would say. Which and is I mean, sad. and and on another article, I know somebody I was reading, they were saying, well, on my first marriage I did this, but on this marriage I'm, I'm just like, well, I guess that's the right. way it works. So I mean, I I get it, but for Christians, it ought not be. No, no, God created. Uh, marriage for a man and woman to come together and become one, one in physical, you know, and sexual things, become one in mind and mm-hmm. spirit and in money and finances and right. things. You know, yeah. this is not my house. This is our house. Yeah. These aren't my kids. They're our kids. This isn't mm-hmm. my money. It's our money. We become one. We become one unit. Are there disagreements in how we spend money sometimes? Sure. Yeah. But we talk about those things. We discuss those things. We become unified on those things. And we, we move on. But, but separating is just a, a recipe for separation in other areas. That's all, it, that's a practice for more separation. So that's my advice. That's what I think. Uh, that's, this is the world's advice. And what the Bible teaches is that we're one. So uh, go practice that. Hey, this is Joshua Charleston, the producer of The Mike Charleston Show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook at Mike Charleston Show and Instagram at underscore Mike Charleston Show. Please support us on Patreon for exclusive content. This episode is over, but if you want more, check out the website at fellowshipofbelievers.org for more information. The Mike Charleston Show has been brought to you by Fellowship Believers.